TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. Welcome to Overnight America with Ryan Recker on KMOX. Sponsored by Michael's Flooring, the flooring experts. Michaelsflooringoutlet.com. And welcome back to Overnight America. It's Hancock and Kelly sitting in for Ryan Recker. Ryan getting some well-deserved time off leading up to Thanksgiving holiday. Hancock and Kelly, we'll be back with you on tomorrow night as well. And then Friday in our normal gig on Friday mornings from 830 to 11. Listening to the news right there, John. They're talking about putting field hospitals potentially in St. Louis. Yeah. You remember, uh, I guess it would have been in April when Governor Cuomo and New York, they were using the Javits Center to uh, create essentially a field hospital um, for what they anticipated. They also had uh, one of the uh, floating hospitals yeah, that was sent ships. by our, mm-hmm. the Navy um, as they started to see these surge in cases. And now we're starting to see 200,000 positive cases a day. St. Louis and our region, not immune from that. And uh, now we're starting to hear Dr. Garza talk about the need to set up field hospitals, uh, yet we still don't wear masks. And some of us still think that this isn't that big of a deal. Kind of scary to think that the hospitals are running out of space. Well, it is, and they are. And uh, we've visited within the last week or so with, uh, with an emergency room physician as well as uh, certainly listening to Dr. Garza's updates that he gives uh, a couple times a week. And the the bigger issue, I think, is, you know, let's say you set up a temporary facility. That's great. We probably will need the space. The bigger issue is I don't know that we can staff them. And when you look at the, the stress that our healthcare system is under right now uh, with all of these ICU beds uh, filling up, and all of the COVID beds filling up, in addition to the, you know, people having heart attacks and falling downstairs and all the other things that happen to people, um, we are really in a, in a dire circumstance for capacity, but the healthcare workers themselves, some of them are under, uh, you know, a 14-day self-quarantine because they were exposed, or others uh, have caught the coronavirus. And so you, you, you're dealing with a diminished staff at all of these hospitals. So merely having additional space doesn't solve the problem because if you can't tend to patients, uh, then the space really is irrelevant. And that's my my real concern here uh, as, we, as we march on. And a lot of people are very concerned about Thanksgiving and all of the, the gatherings that are going to take place. 
Um, and I understand the, the concern. And, uh, yeah, you know, the, we're, well, we're in a uh, go ahead. Well, the coronavirus is is raging right now, for lack of a better adjective. It is. Um, and it's it's happening in every state. I mean, what's going on with the positivity rates up in the Dakotas is really quite scary. Um I mean, you don't have that many people there to start when you have 30 and 40% of the people in that state showing up uh, without access to the health care resources that you may have in some bigger populated areas. Um, you think about what's going on in our own area with uh, people that are flooding in from parts of the rural areas, as well as St. Louisans and folks in the region who are contracting this virus. Uh, you mentioned you've no eight or nine people who've gotten the virus here in the last couple of weeks. I do too. I have people extremely close to me who've um, contracted the virus. I know some folks who've had um, a really tough time with the virus. I know others who've breezed through it and there's really no rhyme or reason. And uh, I know a couple of folks who've perished uh, as a result of the virus. And, and John, they're, they're, they're dying in a situation where, if, if you're lucky, you maybe get to have one family member come in and see you. Um, right. Otherwise, you're, you're sitting there in the most dire time of your life by yourself. And, you know, both you and I have lost parents. Um, and, you know, I, I fortunately got to, to spend those last minutes with my father. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I, in those were special moments. Uh, and I, I just I feel so badly for families that are dealing with this. Um, and, and, and the folks who are, who, who, who in particular are, are headed, uh, in the wrong direction in terms of, you know, they're, they're, they're not going to survive this having to go through this alone. And then these poor medical workers, you, you know, just so overwhelmed and, and having to not only be a nurse, but, but be a family member and be, be a human to people who are dying. Yeah. And, and that's, you know, all too all too common a circumstance right now. And, you know, we're months away from having enough people get the the vaccine that we can begin to live our regular lives again, but we're months away. And here we are uh, approaching the dead of winter and all indications are that this virus is, uh, is rampant in all over the place. It's not just in the cities, it's, it's everywhere. And people are getting it and people are, as you say, most people that get it uh, have minimal to no effects, but some people that get it die. And 250,000 Americans have died thus far from the coronavirus, and that number is going to regrettably get well, much, much higher. Yeah, especially when you have 200,000 people a day being infected. I mean, just the law of averages is working against us. So I've done a little research uh, in the break there about wreaths. Uh, wreath is an assortment of flowers, leaves, fruits, twigs, and various materials that is in constructed to form a ring. Yeah. Uh, most commonly coming out of English-speaking countries used for Advent and Christmas decorations. Uh-huh. But, John Hancock, as all things do start, it was the Greeks who started with wreaths. And it really had more to do with something you'd put on a head of someone. Uh, it was an honor to the gods, Apollo and to Zeus and etc. And people would create these wreaths of, of precious things, whether they be flowers or materials. Uh, and then they would be placed on the head and then later hung on the door. 
Well, huh, modern well, wreaths, yeah. Well, modern wreaths come more out of the European tradition that comes from the Greeks, and um, it has amazingly to do with Christianity. Uh, and there's two seasons that wreaths are associated with. Number one is the harvest, where yes. people were harvesting their crops, and it was a way to celebrate uh, the celebration of successful harvest. And then the other would be the wreaths that are mainly there is an uh, observation of Christianity for Advent. So, but if you think about it, wreaths are kind of in every aspect of our lives, right? The president puts a wreath in front of the tomb of the unknown soldier. We put wreaths in, at, at funerals. We put wreaths on doors. Um, I, it's, I don't know. It's kind of a weird tradition. <clears throat> Guys, a regular Cliff Clavin over here. Uh, that's, well, buddy, uh, that this was is impressive. what the internet will do for you. you know? Yeah. I'm just yeah. trying to keep you informed, my friend. Well, you I know, my wife we, is Greek. My wife yes, is Greek. Is. So, but, so her hanging the wreath is kind of getting back into her whole ancestral heritage, uh, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Now, um, let, let me ask you this. It, it Thanksgiving, an American holiday, but it mainly we're all immigrants, Americans, uh, from in one way or another eventually. Uh, does the Greek food kind of take over your Thanksgiving? Um, no, no, no. We just only have the Spanakopita. So we'll have turkey and dressing. Phenomenal. Uh, we'll have some sweet potato uh, thing with marshmallows on it. Um, we'll have, uh, what else do we have? Macaroni and cheese. We have, uh, I mean, it's, it's everything, you know, it's literally everything. How do you cook uh, the, the whole turkey or just the breast? Oh, the whole turkey. Yeah. I mean, what do you eat? The legs or what do you like? No, buddy. I'm, I'm a, I'm a, I like the white meat. So, uh, yeah, me too. I'll have, I'll have a little breast and then I'll go to sleep, but, um, but it'll be good. I'm looking forward Boy, to it. Life doesn't be... change from birth. Does it? <laughs> <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but you know it is going to be different having a, a much smaller group on hand but we'll uh we'll deal with it it'll be more for me to eat well uh I, we we teased this before but i really want to get to this because i find it really fascinating so uh president-elect biden named his national security team today and um it's a lot of people with a lot of institutional experience uh, a stark contrast uh, to the team that Donald Trump assembled. And uh, I find it really interesting and uh, speculate a little bit about what foreign policy might look like in the United States under a President Biden regime. That's next on KMOX. Traffic and weather together every 10 minutes, mornings and afternoons on St. Louis's News Radio, KMOX. And welcome back to Overnight America and Hancock and Kelly. We're going to be with you all evening and, uh, John, uh, Vice President Biden, uh, the president-elect of the United States, continues to move forward and putting together his cabinet and his really, you know, Joe Biden is an institutionalist. So the one thing he did not run away from during this presidential campaign, and how could he, uh, this man spent nearly his entire adult life working inside of the United States government and the United States Senate. And... Um, is really looking to some more institutionalists and uh, I don't know what we'd call it, uh, kind of just standard people running government. Um, and he's made quite a few appointments in the last several days. Yeah, he, uh, he announced largely his national security team today. And it's, uh, it's interesting on a number of levels. All of them are uh, folks that have worked in these agencies prior. Uh, they all have experience as um, 
as bureaucrats in 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 the in the various national security agencies. Uh, his Secretary of State Tony Blinken, uh, he was the Deputy Secretary of State. He's very close to President to President Elect Biden. He served worked with him even when Biden was uh, the head of the Foreign Affairs Committee in the U.S. Senate. <clears throat> Blinken has got uh, not just a foreign policy experience, but but a lot of experience working with Joe Biden. Now you've got Alejandro Mayorkas, who's at, at Homeland Security. Similarly, uh, a background in that agency. Avril Haines is going to be the director of national intelligence. Uh, Linda Thomas-Greenfield is going to be the UN ambassador. And uh, Jake Sullivan will be the national security advisor. And then Biden rounded out his announcements with John Kerry, who's going to be the envoy on climate, which President Trump did not have uh, in his in his team. Uh, taken together, all of these people have uh, a deep uh, experience and backgrounds. And really, as a contrast, you know, when, when President Trump came in, Rex Tillerson was appointed Secretary of State. Now, he was the CEO of ExxonMobil, um, but he didn't have any State Department experience when he started. Uh, he did. Now, Trump did bring in some pretty experienced hands. John Kelly at Homeland Security. He went on to become the chief of staff. H.R. McMaster, um, who was the national security advisor for the president. And uh, and certainly Jim Mattis, uh, secretary of defense, had a breadth of experience uh, in, in military. But the what I find really interesting, Michael, about this is that Donald, Donald Trump brought an America first uh, foreign policy imprimatur to his administration. And it meant that he was going to do things that were going to be, in his view, beneficial for the United States. And if they weren't necessarily beneficial for our allies, he didn't care. And um, you'll recall that early on in the administration, President Trump kind of scolded our Western European allies about they weren't spending enough on their own defense uh, he even questioned whether NATO had any relevance anymore. Um, this team that Biden's assembling is the polar opposite of that. I think you're going to find um, a recommitment to our foreign alliances, uh, a strengthening of, of those relationships. And, and at that level, well, I'm, I'm gratified to see this. But, but I don't know that that's all too shocking. I mean, one of the huge narratives of the vice president, now the president-elect's campaign, was a return to normalcy. Um, you know, Donald Trump stealing a, a word from the business culture is, is a disruptor. Um, he, he's always made his, his mark as being a disruptor, a person that kind of uh, changes the way things, things happen. And uh, he, he did it for a while, to the, frustrating, to the frustration of many of the people that he pointed uh, appointed to, to you, you mentioned Rex Tillerson. Uh, I think Rex Tillerson had bought into the America's First agenda, but by the time he left, um, he was being run out by the president. He he had just gotten so frustrated with the president. And need I tell you what uh, Mattis had said? And then, John, I don't know if you also saw that um, this our economy is doing pretty well right now from a market perspective. Uh, if you look just at the stock market, and a lot of that has to do with what we're doing with financial policy. And um, the vice president-elect also picked Yellen, um, well, picked Yellen uh, yeah. to be uh, the... Uh, Treasury yeah. Secretary. Mm -hmm. Treasury Janice, Secretary. Janice 
Yeah, and she had been involved uh, during the first financial crisis. I mean, one of the things we're going to have to deal with is is pulling ourselves out of what zero percent interest rates and printing money left and right, and starting to deal with some of the debt problems. Now, I know that that's going to be a pet of project with the Republicans over the next couple of weeks. All of a sudden, again, but uh, I think it's encouraging that he has somebody who was involved in the last economic crisis that we had in the hopes that she might be able to help continue to stabilize. Uh, All this stuff has to work in concert together. It does. Yeah. Janet Yellen was at the Fed uh, under Obama. Now, the one cautionary note I would have in terms of this foreign policy construct that that Biden is bringing to the table is all of these people were involved in the Obama era foreign policy. And, um, you know, in my opinion, they kind of they kind of fumbled the ball on China, and you know China's China's trying to assert itself as the dominant force in the world, uh, building that island off the South China Sea that they could conduct military activities, and they're claiming that that is now their uh, sea space out there. China is a very aggressive actor, and um, the, the, one of the things that President Trump got right, in my opinion, is that he took China very seriously and really took them on, particularly in trade, but also uh, in terms of uh, of the military. So that would be the one cautionary note yeah. I would have. But on balance, restoring and, and solidifying our alliances in Western Europe, I think it's going to be uh, very important for the foreign policy of this country going forward. Yeah, and let's not forget the cleaning up of whatever our relationship is with Russia these days. Um, we're coming off for four years of a president who's been meeting literally privately um, with the president of Russia, a, a, a thug, a bad actor, um, really bucking past protocols and bucking past policies and creating whatever that relationship with uh, Vladimir Putin it was. Uh, I would suspect, uh, yeah, I know you had some criticism as it related to China, but we haven't got enough time here to talk about the messes that the Biden administration is going to have to clean up with a lot of our allies and then reassert our authority with North Korea and Russia. It's going to be quite a time and an interesting time to be president of the United States having to follow Donald Trump. And in the midst of all this, uh, Donald Trump having a passionate base of people out there, John, who aren't giving up. And I don't think John, I don't think Donald Trump is going to give up. I don't know. You're I don't right think about We're going to get the courtesy that, that Barack Obama showed uh, uh, Donald Trump by really fading into the woodwork. Uh, he, he did what his predecessors did, which was to leave the office and allow the rightful winner of the election to have their moment in the sand. And it wasn't until uh, really the Democratic National Convention that President Obama, who was a favorite target of Donald Trump's ever mentioned a word about the president. And uh, unfortunately, I don't think we're going to see that type of class and that type of demeanor coming from the outgoing president. Well, he's Michael Kelly. I'm John Hancock. Uh, Interesting discussion about U.S. foreign policy. When we come back, another interesting discussion. What did you do for your kid's first car? Uh, Was it a traumatic experience? Did Did you do well? Did you fail? We're going to talk about that when we return after the news right here on KMOX. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. 
news. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. Back clock at four. Doncic. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. Get ready for the debut of Billiken's Basketball, Wednesday night on KMOX. Yes! It's good! The season starts with the Billikens Classic as they take on SIU Edwardsville. Tip off at 6 on the voice of the Billikens, KMOX. Welcome back to Overnight America and Hancock and Kelly. How great is that? Your St. Louis Billikens returning to KMOX. You can hear it all. Right here on KMOX on Wednesday night. I'm excited to hear that. Bob Ramsey and Earl Austin Jr. on the call. We'll have all the pregame, all the postgame, and we will love to hear your calls after the game. But uh, let's go to the phone lines now where Ricky's been holding on for us. Ricky, what's your question or comment? John Hancock. Hey, Ricky. What's going on, brother? Uh, You the man. (laughs) You're the man. No, uh-uh. No, all I'm doing is trying to set the record straight. All right, come on. Putin is not our enemy. Mm-hmm. What? Putin is not our enemy. We, the UN, have Putin surrounded by nukes. Germany is buying oil from Putin. Correct. They're talking about they need defense. Who's going to attack Germany? And in terms of basketball, Kim, yeah, he's our only friend. He stopped Ricky. shooting off his rockets. Now China, we got a problem. Yes, we and did. This all go back to Tricky Dick. Yep, <laughs> nineteen seventy-two, Ricky. Yeah, yeah. And see, I was a conscientious objector of that Vietnam Guffer Tonkin lie. How much blood and treasury did it cost us? Just ask the weapons of mass destruction lie. You mm. understand what I'm saying, John? Ricky, you're coming in loud and clear, brother. Loud and clear. Yes. Yeah, and let me, l- let me just say, I always, always enjoy your calls and your insight. Uh, you're a sharp dude, brother. You're a sharp dude. Well, let me finish, please. Go on. Oh, please. Okay. Uh, check this out now. All right. China is stealing all of our tech. Yes. Okay. Now, China's nationals have the chance to come over here and go to our schools and steal our tech. Whereas people in my daughter's generation can't even afford it. And I'm first team Ivy League. And Check this out. America is going to have to 
right-sized the Constitution. Because as we going out with the prison industrial complex, people getting paid, and the money never helps the people at the bottom. And this flu virus, I'm afraid that we can't even wear masks, control each other, and by the end of 2021, it's going to be a million Americans dead. Mm. Well, Ricky, thank you. Thanks for your call. And uh, a lot of, he covered a lot of ground there, Michael. Well, let me just tell you, this is why I like when we get to do Overnight America is when we get to hear from people like Ricky. Um, Listen, we'd love for you to join our conversation tonight at 314-436-7900-1-800-925-1120. That was a lively exchange there with Ricky. I'm not even sure Ricky knew that I was doing the show with you there. Pal. <laughs> well, he was calling to talk to me. <laughs> yeah. Well, who can blame him? Right. I, I, most of the time when I call you, I'm calling just to talk to you. By the way, give <laughs> a little status update now that it's close to 930, which uh, is has uh, Mrs. Claus come in to uh, Mrs. Make, Claus uh, is Coco in. yet? Yeah, yeah. No, she has come in. Uh, the deer have landed and uh, the lights are shining out there. Uh, it's costing me a arm and a leg, I'm sure. Um, but Yes, Mrs. Claus no, has entered no. the building. She's uh, got her little fuzzy socks on, and uh, it's all good. When we were together earlier this week, uh, last week, hosting um, Total Information Whatever PM, we were doing, yeah. Yeah, Mrs. Uh, Mrs. Claus had sent in a photo of a coyote yes. that is going through your backyard. And yeah, we so did. So here it is, a coyote going through your backyard. And uh, you have her out at nine thirty at night putting up Christmas decorations. I, well, it was a it was a three legged it was a three legged coyote to be you know <laughs> to be perfectly truthful about it. Uh, he was not doing so well. In fact, I would be surprised if that coyote was still with us. Um, he had three legs. Well, he did three that worked. Um, you know the the back. Uh, I guess the the left rear tire was was not so good. It may have and, been lame, uh, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the three-legged so coyote was, will still do a lot of damage, though. What was your first car? Oh, buddy, I had a sweet. I bought it myself, $300. Uh, I had a 1968 green Ford Falcon. And uh, this thing, buddy, it had an 8-track green? Player. What color green? Like a hunter green or a pea like green? A, or? Like a pea, like a kind of a pea green. Ooh, uh, that's nasty. Had an 8-track player in it. And uh, it had a, a manual choke. You had to pump the, you had to pump the little thing about six times before you turned the key over. And uh, it was a great car. I drove it. I drove it to uh, my job every day uh, during the summer of my. I guess I was in high school. And um, yeah, it was a great car. Except well, stick first, shift, right? No, it was it was an automatic. I mean, it was. Oh, uh, no. Yeah. Automatic Can you drive stick? Uh, I not no, uh-uh. so uh, yeah no, so <laughs> I mean I could I just never have. Uh, You've my never sister driven had, a stick shift ever. My sister had one. She had a Datsun, and I tried to drive it. It, it didn't end well. Uh, but back to the 1968 Ford Falcon. So the first day I had this car, so proud of it, three hundred dollars. And uh, the first day I had it, I parked next to a dumpster or something or other, and when I backed out. Uh, I basically took out the passenger door, so the I could from that moment on I could never open the passenger door of that car, which made it very hard to have dates 
Uh, you right. know, just slide on over there, sweetheart. Uh, yeah. So would you? What? How would you get her in the car? Well, she'd have to slide over, and um, and then she'd That's have kind to of embarrassing, huh? Slide, slide out, uh, and that was fine. It worked until I lost the gas cap, um, and then once I lost the gas cap, I, I used a sock for the. Uh, <laughs> so it's basically a, a driving Molotov cocktail there for a few months. Right, uh, but yeah, but that was my. How about you? What was your first? You probably Mine did better than that. Was a uh, nineteen eighty six maroon oh. Mercury Lynx. Oh, stick nice. shift. Yeah. Uh, a Mercury Lynx was kind of a, essentially a Ford Escort, right? Um, just under the Mercury brand. And now, let me um, ask you: Was this car procured for you, or did you procure it yourself? Well, there were a bunch of us in my family, as you know, so it was procured yeah. for me. But I paid the insurance, right? I paid the gas, yeah. I paid the upkeep. In fact, I remember. The, the brake light had come on for the longest time, and I thought, well, that's kind of weird. And, yeah, uh, just about put a, a piece later, of tape over it. It'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, about a year later, I show up. <laughs> and, oh, God, it was not good. But, uh, you know, you don't know. If they, and it got me to thinking, though, John, that, that car was, was an old-fashioned car, right? It didn't have a rear defroster. Um, and so I would be back there in the wintertime. The, the window would get frosted on the inside and almost freeze and have to scrape it like it was on the outside. It, it's hard for me to believe that a car of yours, Kelly, would have frosted windows. On the <laughs> yeah, sure they were a frosted. A lot of, but, lot of heavy but, but, breathing going on in there. But hey, now. But here's what I here's what I I wonder about cars these days because look I'm not a handy dude. You mentioned that you had a 1968 Ford uh, Falcon. Falcon, I think you Falcon said. buddy, a Falcon. I, I I don't have that man gene that can look and be like, oh, that's a '56 Chevy and that's a '93 Corvette. I mean, I, I just know that if it's a car, or if it's a truck, uh, I probably can tell like, oh, that's a Ford or that's a Toyota. But um, even though I was limited in my car knowledge, there were certain things I could do, like check the oil um, yeah. and, and air up the tires and do all this stuff. But now, I got to tell you, John, these cars that we have now are almost like driving computers. I wonder if a, I wonder if a kid can, can go out there and buy a beater and just really make it work anymore, or is, is, is it? Does does the computer nature of cars make it almost impossible for for kids just to kind of figure it out in their driving? Well, it's tough, and and uh, and I'm and the other thing is now we have a whole generation of people that have absolutely no idea how a car runs or how it works or what's supposed to happen, myself included in that. And um, I still remember, you know, we got our our son a car when he turned sixteen, and. Um, you know who I bought the car from? Who? Mike Kehoe. Yes. The yeah, man who is got he's now the Mike Kehoe deal. Huh? I did. He's now the lieutenant governor of Missouri. But back then, when Johnny was turning 16, he was the proprietor of Mike Kehoe Ford in Jefferson City. And uh, he was a friend. And so I, I called him up and I, I said, have you got, I got a 16-year-old son. I need something safe, cheap, uh, that is going to run. And he, he said, I've got just the car for you. It was a 1999 Buick uh, Regal, and I got to tell you, Michael, that car was amazing. I mean, it ran like a top. We never had any issues with it. Johnny drove it and drove it and drove it and drove it, and then uh, I gifted it to a family at church, and they drove it for another two or three years. That car was incredible. Uh, so there you go. 
Yeah, well, that's impressive. Now, did you, when you had your 68 Falcon, obviously you kind of uh, had to, to deal with some issues there. For instance, the rag is the gas cap. But yeah, yeah. Could, were, were you handy enough to kind of handle like if a fan belt slipped or uh, something like that? No, I had a dad. Uh, so, you know, my dad, one night I was going out to play poker with my buddies and my, I had a flat tire and, uh, I said, dad, I got a flat tire. And he says, where's the car? I said, it's, it's out, you know, it's right outside. And so he, he came out with a basketball pump, you know, one of those little basketball things. Right, pump right. He pumped up my tire with a basketball pump. That's, that was my dad. What a guy. Incredible. What a super guy. Unbelievable. Well, well, yeah, I just what, texted what you. People get, can, can t- I'm looking at a picture of this thing. It looks like yeah. every old car in any movie I've ever seen. <laughs> I'm curious as to what uh, your first cars were, folks. 314-436-7900, 1-800-925-1120. It's Hancock and Kelly on Overnight America. We're talking cars with you right here on KMOX. Now back to Overnight America on KMOX. Sponsored by Michael's Flooring, the flooring experts, michaelsflooringoutlet.com. Ah, yeah, a little counting crows on Overnight America. It's Hancock and Kelly. Thanks for joining us. Enjoying visiting with all of you uh, in a shift that we don't typically handle. And uh, we'll go right to the phone lines. We've been talking about that first car. Of course, Hancock driving the um, Ford Falcon, 1968. <laughs> Hancock, uh, what, pea green, you said, pal? Yeah, yeah, nice-looking car. nasty. And I had an 86 uh, Mercury Lynx. It was maroon, didn't have a rear defroster, could barely see out the back window. We go now to the phone lines, and Jerry, Jerry, you're on Camelax. How are you guys doing? You're doing a great job. Filling in Thank you. Great job. So first car, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I turned I turned 16. I approached my father for a car, and he looked me right in the eye and goes, you ain't getting no car. Ooh. You drive what we got, maybe. Yeah. Okay, so I'm riding my 10-speed past Tom's Auto Sales on Belton Road, and I see a 64 Impala Super Sport. Ooh. I, I ride my bike to Community Federal Savings alone. Yes. I withdraw $1,300, buy the car, take it home, and... My father didn't talk to me for three months. Thirteen hundred dollars. That's some. You no, had some money, car, man. The, the car was nine hundred dollars. Oh, okay. Now, this All was right. this was nineteen seventy five. Right. Yeah. The car yeah. was the car was eleven years old. You know. Oh, sure. Just, you know, and eventually he came around. You know, um, but boy, I tell you what, that was the first time I ever defied my father. Boy, he was mad. <laughs> Good choice of words there. Hey, Jerry. Hey, Jerry. My sister used it. And, you know, so. There you go. Hey, Jerry. The third time. Yeah. I got to ask you, can you sing the Community Federal Savings and Loan jingle? Uh, earn the highest return on each dollar you own at Community Federal Savings, savings and loan. loan. That's it. Give that man a cigar. Well done. I bet Kelly yeah, didn't was- even. Yeah, at Community that Federal one. Savings and Loan. There you go. And then, then it became U.S. Postal Bank, and now it's U.S. Bank. So back in the day. Thank you, Jerry. That was a nice little walk down memory lane. We go now to Cammy. Cammy, you're on KMOX. Well, hello there, Hancock and Kelly. Hello there, hey Cammy. Hey now. 
So my first car was an 88 Oldsmobile Cutlass Calais. Oh, nice car. I'm pretty sure it had been submerged in water before I owned it because the headliner came out at one point. I had thumbtacks holding it up. The glove box broke. Yeah. Um, Yeah, it was a big lemon. But so the cutlass, the first. cutlass Calais, the cutlass. So did you have the brome roof on the cutlass Calais that was a different no. color than the? Oh, okay. No, mine oh. was all black, but it had like that oh. red, velvety interior. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm wow, a big you're... car person. I probably know more about cars than Michael Kelly does. Well, don't well, we all? That's not a high bar, there, Miss Cammy. What well, are you driving these days, girl? I'm driving a Subaru these days. A Subaru oh. uh, Sport. So let me let me go out on a limb. Uh, are your politics more in line with Michael Kelly than they are me? <laughs> yes. I knew it. I knew it. She sounds like a right-thinking kind of gal, doesn't she? I'm a big old car fan, though. My dad, uh, growing up, my dad had a 64 Corvette and a 57 Ooh. Chevy, and that's what we rode around in as kids. Nice. So, nice. That's awesome. Native St. Louisan are you, Cammy? No, I'm from Vegas originally. Oh, what? Wow. How does somebody come from Vegas to St. Louis? Oh, you know, family stuff. Yeah. I've been here since the 80s, though. Yeah. Yeah. Well, how well, about that? Go. Well, thanks for telling us about your first car, Cammy. What, what about buddy. my first? I said, no, thank you for sharing. Oh, oh, okay. Oh, yes, you're welcome. I'll share anytime. I hope you guys have a great evening. Thank you, Cammy, for that call. How about John, that? the phones let's... are blowing up here. We're gonna have to. We're gonna keep this going into the next hour. Yeah, we are. Uh, let's see if we can get Barbara in real quick. Barbara, you're on KMLX. Yes, sir. Um, I had a '68 Mustang, Hunter oh. Green car. It was. Uh, I bought it from a Ford dealer for a thousand five hundred dollars. I went to college for it with it, and I, it's it worked for twenty years. And it was uh, it had leather seats, mm-hmm. and it had everything on it. It's, uh, the cruise control went out, but that was the only. You had cruise control. Yeah, it had cruise control too. Oh come on, Barbara! Now, this, you're so. Barbara here obviously lived lived a very charmed life back in the day, uh, driving around, cruising about the town in a, in her uh, in her Mustang. That's uh, what color was it? It was hunter green. Oh yeah, yeah. It had yeah. leather seats, black leather oh. seats. It was a beautiful car. It was it was owned by a dealer, and he sold it to me for a thousand five hundred dollars. Barbara, you you win so far. You have the best car so far. Hey, more cars coming your way. It's Kelly and Hancock right here. It's Overnight America on the Voice of St. Louis, Gamble X. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. 
Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allow 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months.